Episode 37, Sending Out an SOS. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hi, elite educators. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. And whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, this podcast is for you. I am here to empower you to reach your potential. And it's going to happen because you're taking the time to invest in yourself by listening to a podcast like this to help hone your craft. Today, I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by talking about that time or times during the school year or your career where all you can think to do is send out an SOS to survive. This podcast episode is especially for those teachers in distress. Hang on, this is going to be one empowering ride. So to give you some backstory, when I'm coming up with podcast content, I have to be inspired. It's, it's Sometimes it comes down to the wire. I try and record Thursday or Friday and release on Monday, and that gives me a whole week to just really be open to any interaction that could inspire me to want to share a specific piece of information with you. I, I do this because I want it to be authentic um, so that you can hear it in my voice and I can speak to your current pain. Well, today's topic is going to be one long story, so definitely snuggle up, but it happened to come right at the last minute down to the wire, and I really think it's going to speak to you as it certainly spoke to me. So before we even begin the story, an SOS is just the International Morse Code Distress Signal, and for a while I don't even know what the letters stood for, and so I did some research and found out the letters don't actually stand for anything, although the myth is that SOS stands for Save Our Ship, um, because that's exactly when someone would use sending out the SOS, or it's also heard to be related to Save Our Souls. But rest assured, SOS doesn't mean anything other than you're just in distress and you're sending out a message for help. So this SOS happened to come in an email to me from someone I coached over the summer. So to remind you, I'm a new teacher coach, and during the summer, I work with an intensive teaching fellows program through the New Teacher Project, and we work with career changers. So these are folks that have a degree in something other than education, but decided they wanted to become a teacher. However, they cannot spend the time away from work to go back to school full time. And so what we do is we put them through our intensive program where they learn all the techniques and strategies Um, in the evenings, but during the day, they're actually in a summer school setting. They have a cooperating teacher, so this is a certified teacher that's in the classroom, just like you would do with your student teaching, and there's also a co-teacher, so we put two new teachers together so they can kind of learn from one another. They don't get to teach at the same time, but we call them co-teachers because they're in the same class with the cooperating teacher, and then they get someone like me. They get a coach who has been a teacher, is currently a teacher, and really is giving them live feedback in this summer school setting so they don't have to wait for an official observation and, and do all that write-up and read between the lines. It's, it's right there. I'm whispering to you. I'm holding up cue cards, what have you. 
So anyways, I had a group of about 10 to 15 coaches. I'm not really sure what to refer to them as, but we called them fellows because we're part of the teaching fellows program. But I looked on the internet recently and a lot of folks are referring to someone you coach as you are the coach and they are the coachee. So this teacher coaching also follows these new teachers throughout their very first year. So at the end of the summer, they have to apply for a job. And that's if they have received and met the minimum requirements through the program. We have a performance rubric that we use. So throughout some formal observations in the summer, in addition to the informal coaching, um, they get recommended. And then once they get recommended, that's kind of the stamp of approval from the program that they've gained everything that they needed to gain. They're knowledgeable and and well-equipped. And then they go out and interview within our our district. And we place them in our neediest schools because that's the partnership that we have set up. A lot of it is for math and science programs and and any of those hard-to-staff subjects. So throughout this year, instead of coaching these teachers, I took on the role of being an observer. So I take that same performance rubric, and I go into the classrooms as a formal observation and um, see what the teachers are up to. And they do have a coach that works with them. It's it's not as hands-on as the summer was because the teachers don't need as much support. So I'm kind of putting on a different hat, which is really hard. I have to like sit on my hands and put tape on my mouth because all I want to do is help and coach. And it's not that these teachers are doing anything wrong, but you get so many ideas like, oh, that was really good. How can we make it great? And I have to just remember that I have to write down the information that I have and share the scores with them, but that I can't help in the moment. So last week I was conducting an observation with someone that I had coached this summer. And I was just so impressed with her kindness to her high school students. And they're learning English for the very first time. She was just so patient and welcoming and students were clapping for each other as they were speaking sentences for the first time and really just overcoming that anxiety and shyness. And it was just refreshing to see that real connection, that person-to-person, instead of just throwing down content and, and the urgency of meeting standards, but just so humane and conscientious of what they might be facing as people. So at the end of the observation, I ended up writing her just a quick note. I wanted to praise her and leave some appreciation for just who she is as a leader in the classroom, but also just her heart. Um, and I think she's exactly what these kids need because she is a person first and a teacher second. So I left her this note on the desk and I'm still not really sure why I felt prompted to leave her this note. You know, looking back, I guess it was more than a nice gesture because later I would find out just why that small act of kindness was needed in the moment. Well, I figured that she might email me and say thanks, but when I didn't hear back from her after a week, I just figured she didn't find the note because based on our relationship and my past experience with her demeanor, I knew she was super kind-hearted and had already taken me aside prior at at the graduation at the end of the summer, and she personally thanked me for my investment in her own development. Um, I think it was something along the lines of, like, you're the real deal, the best of the best, and I mean that. (laughs) which is so her. She's a Yankee from the tone of voice to the mannerisms head to toe. And I can say that because I too was a Yankee at some point. I moved to Charlotte uh, from New York about 10 years ago. So I knew that if she had found the note, she would certainly bring it up. Um, So when I didn't hear, I just assumed, oh, she didn't find it, which is fine because it it wasn't necessary for her to read that. It was just something I felt in the moment I wanted to do. 
Well, last night, close to midnight, don't ask me why I was up that late, but I got this email from her, and excuse me if I tear up, I'll tell you why it makes me emotional in a moment. So she says, Gretchen, please forgive the tardiness of my email. The day before my observation, I literally lost sleep, not because of the observation, but I was not sure about whether or not I could keep teaching. The whole process was taking a toll on my mental health, my physical health, and just well-being altogether, and it's not the students. They are fantastic, but it's working in an environment where I'm not sure who the chiefs are and who the Indians are. Seems to change daily, almost moment by moment. All I know is I'm an Indian, lol. Your note really helped me take a deeper look into myself and recall what drove me here, literally, in the first place. I wanted to make a difference in the lives of young people. And nothing should stop me from doing that, if at all possible. I just have to get used to a different way of working. Thank you for writing what you did. Those words were a lifeline. Well, I'm not sure what the outcome may be, I know that I am where I am to be for now. Lessons are being learned and taught. LOL, LOL. Have a great day. All right, so this email just breaks my heart for numerous reasons. First, the fact that I didn't pick up on any of these feelings means she's doing a darn good job shoving them deep down inside. You know that only means one thing. An explosion is soon to come. Waterworks or flaring temper or an anxiety breakdown. I'm just not sure how she tends to react to stress because every time I see her, she's happy and she's just taking the challenges head on. So I know she's going to make it through this, but I can't help but be hard on myself for just not picking up on it. I mean, I could have stayed after school and and talked to her or gave her a hug or cracked a joke, just something. But you know what? Maybe she needed time to process her own feelings. And from the sounds of the email, that's exactly what happened. It breaks my heart for another reason. So, secondly, working with new teachers the last eight years, everyone gets cold feet before an observation. And staying up late at night tweaking lesson plans or, you know, crossing every T and dotting every I, there are some that just lay in bed tossing and turning, imagining the worst-case scenario, like a fight breaks out or the entire class is absent and you've prepared all the materials or you just trip and fall and embarrass yourself. But then there are some that just get so close to throwing in the towel. They're planning a sick day, anything they can do to just avoid that feeling of the spotlight. So now I work very hard to put new teachers at ease by spending lots of time just getting to know them, providing a head nod or a thumbs up during a strong instructional choice in the classroom and try and smile throughout my visit, but I'm still told that I'm intimidating And I have begged new teachers to help me understand what I could change about myself so I was less intimidating. But over the time, I realized that their lack of solutions meant only one thing, respect. And you can't fix that. They know I've been teaching a decade long, and they also see me model and teach daily. So they're often commenting on just how easy and effortless it looks for me, especially when I'm just put on the spot. But I know that feeling. I admire educators too. And I look at what they do and think, dang, they have so much experience and know-how. It's just effortless. No matter how nice they are or how long I've known them, they're intimidating. So I know that in this situation, my fellow was not sharing this information with me because I was intimidating, but that the pressure was on and she wanted to do a great job. But at the same time, she had these conflicting feelings of 
do I even want to do this? I mean, this sucks. It really sucks. I'm stuck out in a trailer in the back of the school. I'm new and I'm an island. My school is one of the worst in the district in terms of behavior. I have chronic absenteeism as a major hurdle. My administration makes changes to schedules and approaches so often I never feel like I know what's going on. My kids are high schoolers who could have a personality, but they don't have the skills to speak English. I mean, luckily I speak English fluently, so there's a few students I can better understand. But overall, my kids aren't achieving. The stress is real. It's overwhelmingly real. I'm not seeing changes like I thought. It's not roses and butterflies like I thought it would be. Can I do this anymore? I mean, wow. Talk about some heavy thoughts. And just to preface, those are my interpretations of what she would be thinking. It's nothing she's ever said to me. But can you blame her for feeling that way? I know you get it. I can just imagine you're nodding your head right now. You're saying, yep, yep, or amen, or hang in there, girl. I know how you feel. I personally feel guilty. I mean, no matter how much I help her acquire skills and instructional best practices, but if she's combating an administrative team that's flying the plane while they're building it too, I can only tell her to just grab her floaties and hang on. I cannot control that cuckoo's nest, and neither can she, and neither can you for that matter. But that's sometimes the cards that we're dealt. Outside factors we just cannot control. And it's just like our students. They don't ask for parents that break up or that their parents have to work multiple jobs because their education level doesn't provide a high enough salary or that they have so many brothers and sisters that there just isn't enough food to go around. Or, you know, maybe it's not in a high-need community, but just the opposite. Maybe the child has a nanny and rarely sees their career-focused parent or that they're an only child who feels lonely living in a big house with no friends in the neighborhood You know, forced to practice piano or drums, followed by a tutoring session, followed by Latin lessons, whatever. My point is, we all have something. Everyone has different issues, but our common denominator is we all have issues. It might not be our own, but they're near and dear and they affect us nonetheless. The third reason this email broke my heart is it brought me back to my own pain. A deep hole that I try very hard not to even feel, and I don't talk about it often because this is the Empowering Educators podcast. I mean, I can't be sad and humdrum or you'd shut off your radio or device. I'll make it short and sweet and just say, I started in a Title I school. I stayed there for about five years, but I just got so emotionally invested in the hardships of the students that it took a toll. So I ended up moving to a suburban school within the same district And it had some high parental involvement, so that was certainly a change of pace. I was just rejuvenated. I was loving life for a year, but then that principal retired. A new principal came in and kept things the same for the next year. So I was continuing in my bliss. But then the smackdown came my third year at that school. In efforts to just raise achievement, the ship got very tight, if you know what I mean. And I'm a teacher that needs to spread my wings, and I perform best when I don't have to become a puppet show. I was, I stuck it out another year, but the stress of just conforming and being something I wasn't stifled my talent, my attitude, my perspective. Luckily, I was naturally moving towards more leadership opportunities anyway, so when the door opened as a teacher coach the following year, outside my district, I took it. And the rest is history. I know you're thinking that that's not bad at all. Nothing worth shedding a tear over. Well, that's because I don't even want to get to that vulnerable place to remember so that I could better illustrate my experience for you. But what I can tell you 
is one day my husband, who was the fiancé at the time, looked at me and he just said, do you need to go into counseling? That literally just broke my heart even more. I was already feeling these feelings and trying so hard to shove them deep down and I wasn't doing a good job. He could see it all over me and the thought that it has come to this, that my career is going to put me into counseling is unacceptable. So I guess all the random cry fests and the lack of personality in life and the slew of busy work in the evenings just gave it all away. And I've blogged and podcasted before about ways to bring happiness back into your day and Those things helped, but it was no cure. And although I did my job, I was the leader of a team, and that meant I heard every complaint from admin about my teachers. But it wasn't my problem to fix. However, it was an unspoken request to help. And I didn't mind because I loved helping teachers. I mean, that was my dream job then, and it's exactly what I'm doing now. It's so rewarding. But I had nothing to give because I was so depleted from just the toxic environment. And so many staff members fled that school during the year and then obviously once summer hit. And I guess that makes me feel just a little better that I wasn't alone. But many people were shocked to hear I was leaving and even more shocked to know I had the feelings I just described. Although my husband was not shocked. And that's why this email hit me. I was just like that. I was shoving my feelings deep down in hopes my kids never saw it and hopes my colleagues could just rely on me for joy and motivation. And they do tell me that often. They, they had no idea what I was dealing with. But inside, I was a sinking ship sending out an SOS. And luckily, getting out of that environment helped. My husband even told me, now that you left, I don't want to hear anything about that school anymore. <laughs> I guess I spent too much time sharing my griefs with him. The following year, though, I kept in touch with some teammates who stayed, and just hearing those same stories of the continued troubles infuriated me. All those feelings coming back up as if I were living that life again, as if I were them. I don't know why I allowed myself to be so invested in feeling that pain and carrying that burden that just wasn't mine. I wanted to help. I wanted to rescue them from that ineffective, brash, irrational leadership, but I couldn't. I mean, I didn't need to get involved at that point either. I had my peace and enjoying my new normal, just coaching new teachers. I'm honored to have been a lifeline to this teacher. I have people in my life who have been my lifeline when I thought I couldn't do it one second longer. And how do you repay that person for their kind words or a gesture? Well, you got to pay it forward. Find someone in your own building or community that's suffering. Pour into them, even if you don't know why. Just like I did that day. I just felt that prompt that I should leave her note. Didn't know why. Thought it was my own idea. <laughs> Thought it was going to be nice. Had no idea that this would be a game changer for her. When you reach out to that person, it might be the one touch point that saves them from turning the wrong direction and leaving students in the wake. So I wrote her back, and I shared my appreciation for her sweet email, and I just encouraged her to hang in, reach out to me if she needed it. I also suggested tuning into my podcast. I mean, not a selfish plug, but it made perfect sense to share a resource that is focused on encouraging teachers and the time and moment that she needed it most. So she wrote me back and said, Gretchen, I'm going to listen to your podcast daily. Heck, even as I sleep, I need this. I promise to reach out. I need all the help I can get right now, and I agree with everything you wrote. We'll be in touch. 
So this is a good sign for a teacher in distress. They're reaching out for help. They're acknowledging what's happening. They're giving themselves space and time to just really feel it instead of shoving it down any further, hoping it's just going to disappear. And I'm also encouraged to know that she's going to tune in to a podcast. I mean, I never listened to podcasts before making one. I know that sounds really strange, but I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Just humor me and tell me I'm a pro. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I do listen to educational podcasts now, but I also listen to ones on marriage and leadership, on life, you name it. And I find inspiration in just the message, not the type of show. And I knew she'd be able to find other shows that spoke to her too. I mean, maybe even we're a little fun distraction in a good way. Maybe give her a little pep in her step on her drive to work or make her giddy over a new release of an episode from her favorite podcast. Well, I didn't have to wait long to hear back about what might come of tuning into a podcast because she wrote me back a comment on my website on the podcast page saying, I just listened to podcast number 28 and all I can say is, wow, thank you for being so transparent and real. No fluff. Much needed. Thank you. And the episode she's referring to is one you've probably listened to. It's called, what are we doing here and why does it matter? I'll share the description with you to quickly jog your memory. Teaching today can be confusing. There are tons of stress points, wrong turns, and dead ends. Educators get bogged down with all this other stuff that they forget what they were chosen to do and why it matters in the lives of students. Take a listen to remind you of what teaching is really supposed to be about and how it affects everyone's future. So in that episode, I talked about putting money into people and not programs. So really investing time into making the teachers in your building better through support instead of just comments on an observation I also talked about it coming down to every decision you make every day in the classroom and, and that no matter what kind of hard day you're having or what your attitude is, that every step you take and every word out of your mouth and every action is really guiding the success of your students. I also mentioned don't let yourself forget your purpose for becoming an educator. Put it in your face. Write it down on your mirror. Say it to yourself as you drive to school. You've got to remember why you wanted to be where you are. And how do you do that? I talked about putting kids first and everything that you do. And then because of that, I talked about inspiring yourself so you can be an inspiration to other people. And then I ended just mentioning that we have a mission to do and it's an honor to be chosen to complete it. There's much more in that episode. If you hadn't listened, definitely go back. That's a great one. But I couldn't have picked a better episode for her. I mean, what are we doing here? That's exactly what she's struggling to put together. And then why does it matter? That's where the rubber meets the road, the conflict, the internal turmoil. I don't want to be in her shoes right now, mainly because I know what it's like to be there. And it's not fun. But it too shall pass. And the quicker you allow yourself to deal with what's happening, the quicker you open yourself up to solutions and support. And once you do that, the end of the road is in sight. A turnaround is up ahead and your feet are gaining traction. And that is what I hope for my fellow. Not that I can take her pain away because it's a growing pain. It's something she's going to remember. Something that is shaping her as we speak. Something that shows what you're made of and who in your life you can count on. I wouldn't take those experiences from her if you paid me. It's hard to go through it. And it's hard to watch others go through it, but the lesson that comes from it is one of a lifetime. And she knows that. She mentioned that in her first email, saying, lessons are being learned. And I know she was not talking about her classroom instruction. 
So I wanted to share this story with you today because it's people like you who have so much teaching talent but are just in a situation that's stealing your thunder and taking the wind out of your sails. And all I ask that you do is send out an SOS like she did. Confront what you're feeling so you can make sense of it. Reach out to a confidant. You know, not gossip that's going to spread around the school, but someone you like, you trust, you respect. Ideally, someone who is further down the road that you're on and can speak to your current position. Sending out an SOS is not a sign of defeat or a lack of strength. It's actually a reminder that you're a human being who can only give and do so much. So instead of breaking, you're asking for help. You might not know what to even ask for, but just bringing it up and putting it out there, you're going to attract the voices that you need to hear to carry you through. I am here for you if you need to vent or ask for help. Just send me that SOS over the email waves, Gretchen at alwaysalesson.com. Whatever you do in this moment right now, just take a breath. If you're not driving, close your eyes and imagine yourself on the day that you became a teacher. You were full of excitement and joy. Allow yourself to smile as you feel those emotions flooding back. Now take another breath and go take on your day. You got this and you are not alone. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on sending out an SOS to a trusted advisor to get over your current obstacle. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.